So <clears throat> I'll just say again, since I ordained as a nun, people have been asking me about relationships. And another monk friend of mine thought it was very ironic that people ask monastics about relationships because obviously if we'd had great relationships, we might not be in robes, but you never know, we might be. But you know, as, as if we had great success. But I think um, if you're a spiritual practitioner, you start to see that all of life is interconnected and that life is in fact about relationship. It may not necessarily be about, <clears throat> you know, the white woman in the dress and the man in the suit on top of a wedding cake, but it is about relationships of all kinds. And a person who has not understood that, who's not understood and seen that life is connectedness, that life is interbeing, is missing something, you know. I think the problem comes when we just think um, of ourselves and we're very isolated, you know, we're not connected to the earth and we're not connected to how the choices we make form the planet. It's so easy to not think about the woman in the Bangladeshi factory who's making your clothes for a dollar an hour or less, you know, because it's so cheap in that shop there. It's so easy to not connect that. Whereas in the old days, you know, you would go to the village tailor, you would go to the village butcher, you would go to the village greengrocer, and you knew you were connected with where your food and where your clothes were coming from and the impact it was having on the person who was offering you those things, you see. But if you're a spiritual practitioner, you know. I mean, this is not so much in the... Th well, the Theravadan teachings are there too, but this idea that everybody's been your mother, you know. And even if you don't like your mother, your father or your, your grandmother or a teacher, someone who was like a mother should be for you, you know. If you think uh, the fact that you can fall in love, the fact that you can travel or study Dharma or see a beautiful sunrise is because someone gave you a human body. This very temple you inhabit was the gift of another person. And you didn't have to swipe your MasterCard on the way out of the womb. You know, she gave it freely. She went through the agony of 50 bones breaking simultaneously. That is the pain, the pain threshold. You know, some, some mothers die when they give birth, you know. Many, do you know, girls in Chad in Africa have more chance of dying in childbirth under the age of 18 than they do of attending university. Yeah. In fact, America has one of the worst birth rates of any developed country, like more women die in America than many developed countries. So don't forget where you come where you come from. Next time you not so nice to a woman, you know, think about where you came from. Next time they're imposing a rule on a woman, making her life harder, think about where you came from. We're interconnected. And that kind of kindness stretches throughout our whole life. We're we're so caught in our head, you know, we we, we take life as a consumer. And it's not like we're, we're really bad, it's just that, that our culture has kind of bred us that way to be a consumer. Even our social interactions usually are over economic exchanges. Our social spaces are uh, shopping centers, cafes, restaurants, you know. And we don't have personal close relationships. We don't understand that we need each other to survive. We don't see it directly because we live alone in our apartment and we go and we stay in our little office cubicle 
you know, we're, we're online talking to people who are, you know, a few letters at the end of a speech box, you know. But in fact, uh, everything we have comes from others. The fact that you can write your own name comes from others. The fact that you can meditate comes from some Indian prince who gave up, who gave up a kingdom for a deeper meaning. You know, who made your clothes? Who's keeping you warm? Who made your mattress? You know, who grows your food? Those immigrants our friend wants to deport. You know, who's working for $10 an hour or $8 an hour to grow your food? Where does it come? It comes across the border, a lot of it. You know. So, a person who can't see their interconnectedness with the world and with all beings um, needs to do a little more practice. You know. And when you realize that you are, in fact, I mean, there's so many non-you elements. Because without the water that flows in the rivers, you cannot survive. Without the earth that grows your food, you cannot survive. Without the air that we breathe, you cannot survive. And that is why it just doesn't make sense to pollute the water and to pollute the air. You know, because you can't eat money. You, you may think you can, but when you can't drink the water anymore, when you can't breathe the air anymore, you die. You know? What are we handing to our children? So we have to come, stop being disembodied and come back into relationship with all of life. So there is the relationship to the sacred, a relationship with yourself, because the most important relationship you'll have in your life is a relationship with yourself. And we've grown up with these stories, you know, of the fantasy of finding the one. You know, the, the man on the white horse will fix all of your problems. I never realized how totally um, dysfunctional these stories were until I started reading them to children. You know, all the women are helpless and the men are like coming with a sword and a horse and fixing everything. No wonder we're so messed up, you know, waiting for this dude or this Miss Wright or Mr. Wright to come along, you know. Actually, um, I think it was, uh, oh, you know, in the 70s, there were these two female activists. One was Maya Angelou, and the other one was a white woman whose name I can't remember. And she said, uh, many of us are becoming the men we hope to marry. Gloria Steinem. So, yeah, you know, you have to be complete in yourself before you look for a relationship before you start chasing relationship with someone else. Be complete in yourself. We have this idea, we have this gaping hole in our heart and we're told we're not enough and we don't believe. We're, we're down on ourselves. you know. We don't feel we have beauty, compassion, truth. So we start looking at other things to fill the hole in our heart. It was really funny, I saw a photo on Facebook of like a person with literally who had a hole in their heart and they were trying to fit another person in there or they were trying to fit like a really long salami sandwich in there or you know some <laughs> all kinds of weird things and really nothing fit in there you know <laughs> nothing can fill you up you have to fill yourself up you have to be enough and we all have this idea of happiness but it's actually a kind of tyranny this idea that we're going to be permanently happy 
and what happiness looks like. I have a friend who's extremely unhappy right now because she can't find the right person to be with, you know, and she feels somehow that because she can't find the right person to be with, um, her life is not worth living. You know, she's alone, she's 50, she's facing, um, she's realizing she's getting older and who's she going to be with, who's going to be there for her, she's alone. But so many of us are, even when we're together we're alone. And she has this idea of happiness, you know, which is like a partner, security, a good job, an apartment, you know. But what if your life doesn't deliver that? Life is so unpredictable and unknown, and, and often the best things that happen are the things you never expected. So why not be okay with change? Why not be at home with uncertainty? I mean, certainly none of us expected someone <laughs> you know, Americans were joking with me like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Irony. <laughs> the gods are laughing. <laughs> the gods must be crazy. Um, so it happened. Like the guy who made the t-shirt, shit happens. You know, so make friends with it. it it's going to happen. Life is crazy. Life is unpredictable. You just don't know, and you don't know when you're going to die. Oh my God, it's just so crazy and unpredictable. So you might as well just make friends with it. Enjoy the weather, you know. <laughs> the birds are very good, like especially, I've seen these seabirds, sea you know, they jump off the cliff and they dive and they play around in the wind, you know, and they enjoy it. So sometimes it's a stormy day and sometimes it's a sunny day, you know. But enjoy the weather. Don't hold on to an idea of happiness. Don't let the idea of happiness stop you from actually being happy, which involves being in the present moment. You know? I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a dream and trying to work towards it. Um, my father's dream was to retire and do what he wanted, you know, because he hated his job. But he died at 59. Don't wait until you retire to live the life you want. Get your kids in a van and drive, because who knows what tomorrow will bring. I mean, okay, middle path, but do something. Find a way to make it happen, you know. Stop making excuses. So um, when you found a certain amount of completeness in yourself, when you worked with some of your issues, you may still want to have a relationship of the romantic kind. So, uh, the Buddhist advice on relationships, here we go. There's a really wonderful sutta called the Sigalavada Sutta in the Pali Canon. In the Maj I think it's in the Majjhima Canon, I'm not sure. Um, and it's like advice for lay people. So, the Buddha said, uh, it's really interesting because you have to remember this information is 2,600 years old. So, gender roles were a little different then. Um, but the Buddha said, uh, you know, care for your parents and for your dependents and your children. <coughs> Treat your employees with respect. Um, support samanas, those who are spiritual seekers, monastics. Um, invest in the community. Live with restraint. Live with ethics. Live with kindness and goodwill. Do not harm. Do not steal, do not take life, do not use harsh speech, 
Do not roam at night like a demon, drinking and gambling and attending brothels. Um, and be generous. You know, the Buddha said, those who understand the value of giving as I do would not let one meal pass without having offered something. And you see it in Thailand and Sri Lanka, you know, people will be waiting to have breakfast for the monks to come by so they can give something. Um, because they, f they feel that generosity is a, is a source of good karma, you know, and that helps them progress spiritually. I've seen people in the West meditating for years and wondering why they're not making any progress. You know, everybody wants to sit, but nobody wants to wash the cups and sweep the floor. Whereas in Asia, you know, people are fighting each other to make merit. Let me do it. <laughs> it's my merit. You know, and we, like, we put the money in an envelope and quietly drop it in the, in the dana box in the back, you know. We don't want our generosity privately, very privately, secretly. Whereas, you know, in Asia, it's like on a big brass plaque at the front of the temple. This was given by da 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 da, -da. <laughs> They rejoice in giving, you know. Um, so a true, a true friend, according to the Buddha, shows you the path of virtue and has your back in hard times and protects your resources um, and your family. So um, according to the Sigalavada Sutta, this is very, a little bit old style, okay? Um, a husband, a, a wife uh, should protect the husband's resources. So perhaps if you're in a reverse situation, you, you protect your partner's resources. And um, the husband should empower the wife with authority over the, the economy of the family and the household matters. So perhaps um, whether you're a man or a woman, you can do that for your partner, you can do both. And also an interesting thing is men are supposed to buy women gold jewellery, according to the Sigalavada Sutta. Um, yes. And then, you know, look for someone trustworthy who can show you love. You know, and if it doesn't work out, if you don't have a lot in common, we have a 50% divorce rate. One in three relationships ends in adultery. If it doesn't work out, it's okay because you're a complete person. You know, and your, well, your identity, your value does not depend on having someone beside you or not, okay? And, you know, there are many kinds of love. Don't just invest in one relationship, you know. Build community. We are starving for community and connectedness. Never have we had so much con connectivity with so very little meaning and so very little real exchange. You know, we have the world's information at our fingertips and we're watching cat videos. We don't want to know. The, the information is there, but we don't want to know. You know. And capitalism is collapsing. There is no longer the, it's no longer realistic to have infinite growth because there are finite resources. If everyone lived like an American, we would need 21 planets to support it. And what we are seeing now is the 1% of people at the very top taking as much as they can from the bottom. And that's why we're seeing the rich getting richer, the poor getting poorer, increasing rates of poverty and homelessness. 150,000 homeless people in the Bay Area, 250,000 homeless people in LA, 60,000 homeless people in shelters in New York, 40% of them children. Not just, when we think of a homeless person, we think of someone with a drug problem, no, that is no longer the demographic, you know. Third, at least 30% of them are women fleeing domestic violence. People who can't afford rent anymore.
people like you and me. And what we need to overcome this terrible uh, dis disparity, disparity, disparity growing between the rich and poor, is to invest in community and to invest to divest from unethical banks and to grow community gardens, to grow our own food, maybe buy a piece of land a bit out of town with some friends for your old age or go there before then if you can. I mean, do you know that you can build a tiny home for $2,000 out of reclaimed garbage and wood? You don't need a 30-year mortgage, you know. It's up to you. I mean, I understand life is complicated, especially if, if you have kids and college fees and whatever. In fact, you know, my generation, things are so much harder, you know, because um, healthcare and uh, college fees have increased by 100 or 200% in America. You know, whereas the 70s and 80s were a time of unprecedented job growth. Uh, in my own city, Sydney, the price of houses has, has increased by 120% and the incomes have increased by 27%. You know, so what happens is when things are not so great and it's hard to get a job and you're barely surviving, fear sets in and fear makes you keep your head down. I'll stay in this job I hate. I won't ignore, I, I won't look at other people's problems because I've got too many of my own. And that's kind of how they control you. That's how they take you back to the good old days. The good old days means children working in factories, women having 12 children, black people being lynched. Wasn't it wonderful? I'm so nostalgic. Um, but we have to, our, our, our power to overcome this is by working together, by community, you know. And um, anyway, getting back to the main point of, um, of relationships. Okay, so um, I, I heard that uh, some Buddhist teacher in California put on, someone who talks about social justice and equality, they put on their dating profile, uh, I like thin white women. Okay, They're, and let's be honest, you know, men objectify women. Um, it's harder for unattractive women or su supposedly conventionally unattractive women to find partners. And many men who are older are dating women a decade younger than them. And women can sometimes be very harsh too, you know, they want a guy with a certain economic situation. You know, like we're looking for someone perfect, you know. Um, but if you are practicing Dharma, you should hopefully be a little more kind, a little bit less narrow-minded, a little more open-minded, you know, and, and find, and be able to look and see the beauty inside, because it's there in everyone. And that way, you know, when you're not so narrow socially or rom romantically, then you just make so many more wonderful friends. As a nun, I'm dependent on the kindness of others. Um, and I often meet people in very different kinds of people, you know. Um, and it's so interesting, you just realize there's so much beauty and goodness in so many people. You know, so don't just hang out with people your own age. Diversify your friend group. Talk to people who have different points of view to you. Because Facebook is an echo chamber. Social media is an echo chamber. You're not achieving anything by having a dialogue with people who already agree with you. You know, maybe there are people who are just too opposite to you, too, too hateful. But there are people who are somewhere in the middle who are not well informed as well. You know. um, hear their side of the story. You know. 
Um, okay, so when you, this is so ironic coming from an aunt's mouth, when you date, uh, be mindful. Don't jump in too quickly, you know. Follow your breathing. Be present. Talk to the person. Find out who they are, what they most deeply value. Um, offer the best of yourself, you know. And uh, when you're in a relationship and you feel agitated, you know, calm down before you just spit out something in a really unskillful way, because it's often the people we're closest to that we hurt the most. Calm down, you know. Be careful of your words. Be careful of your tones. Choose a time when they can have a heart-to-heart -heart with you, you know. Um, and you don't need a, to be in a relationship to love or to be worthy of love or to have love. You know? It's a grave mistake to put all your eggs in one basket. You know? There's so many people to love. You know? And don't just think, I need someone to come to me. When are they going to appear? You know, the hand of the giver is never empty. There have been many times in my life where as a nun I felt socially isolated. And I just you know, would turn up at a soup kitchen or... Um, you know, something, a group, I would, I would invite my friends for a, a group meal. I would find a way to reach out to people. Yeah. But there's a difference between being lonely and being alone. We're very afraid of being alone, you know, we're very afraid, like, we're a social reject if we're alone, you know. But actually, to have time alone and to know yourself is priceless. Um, and you're already in a relationship with all beings, you know. So sometimes just to say hello to someone, you know, especially elderly people, if you say hello to them, they may, may, may not have seen anyone for a week or a month. It's pretty tragic that we only find dead people by the smell coming from their apartment, you know. Get out, make connections, go to a nursing home, talk to some people. They were like you once. You'll be like them one day, you know. Um, yeah, and you don't need a partner to save you. You want a person with whom you can share. You don't want to be needy, but you want to be mutually supporting each other, increasing each other's joy. Not like, I have this gaping hole in insecurity and I need you to validate me. Can you see the difference? One is headed for divorce town, and the other is headed for a mutually satisfying destination. And practice self-love first, you know. Often the things you see, the things that make you fall in love with someone are the qualities that you want to develop in yourself. Okay? So develop those qualities in yourself. Um, it's important to choose someone who shares your values. Uh, and also, you know, don't present yourself as someone who you're not, you know. Uh, and go and do the things that make you happy. You're more likely to meet someone you have something in common with, yeah. Um, and, you know, the relationship with yourself is also a process of kind of accepting your own faults and being at home in your own skin, yeah. This, this cult of self-improvement it's really just a way for health gurus to make money. 
I mean, there's nothing wrong with exercising and being the best you you can be if that's what they do in California, but you know, no amount of Botox and yoga and Pilates can take away the ache in your heart if you can't make friends with your own pain. And if you make friends with your own pain, you may not need to spend so much money on Botox and whatever else gets you off. You know, contentment, contentment is the highest wealth. You are good enough as you are. You know? And people, I mean, look, Mother Teresa and the Dalai Lama are not going to win any beauty pageants. We need to go back to um, admiring someone for being a person of substance rather than admiring them for being a babe or a, what are you, what's the equivalent, a hunk. Um, and also, when you come into a new relationship or a new friendship, you know, try not to carry trauma from the past. Try not to project too much. We either overshare, we have too many expectations, or we undershare, we don't say enough how we're feeling. And relationship, whether it's a friend, or a sangha, or a teacher-student relationship, or a, a, a romantic relationship, that person can be a powerful mirror and show you the ways in which your heart is closed and the ways in which you've, you've tied yourself up. There's nothing like a child to make you feel, to show you where you're stuck actually. Like, I minded some children for two months. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. And I just heard my mother coming out my mouth and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Such a hard job. Such a hard job. Um, really listen to someone. You know, really listen. Men are always saying to me, well, they're not always saying to me, but generally, I, I see on Facebook articles about like men going, you know, how can we get a woman to like us so she'll give it up? And women are like, how can I find the guy who'll give me emotional understanding? And it's like, they think, oh yeah, take her to dinner, give her flowers. Um, but actually, helping with the housework and really listening are probably better strategies to get what you want. You know, and I think um, it's interesting to notice too that uh, I have I have puzzled over men because I went to a girls' school and I'm been a nun sixteen years, and I had some rather strange relationships, um, and I know lots of good men who I really like, uh, but then I see. You know, as a social worker in an Indian slum, I see a lot of women who are being raped and beaten by men and had acid thrown on them. Mm -hmm. And I know the statistics about patriarchy and gender inequality. And you just think, how can these nice men I know, men in general, be doing these things? And what I see is it's actually um, very often they're brutalized. Society brutalizes them. And, you know, from the, up to the age of seven, girls and boys cry the same amount. But after seven, the boys somehow get this message that you're a sissy if you cry and it's not okay to show your emotions. It's not okay to be soft and affectionate or talk about how you feel or show weakness or be unsure. So from a young age, men are self-censoring. Like, I know men who can't talk about their emotions and go silent a lot. And that's when they're thinking, can I say this? Will they like me? Should I show this feeling? Will they think I'm weak? You know? And I think that's also why some men, forgive me, are obsessed with sex. 
because it's the only place that they can be vulnerable, affectionate, feeling soft, be touched, be embraced, be loved. Because in their normal life, and often in their relationships with other men, they don't feel safe enough to do that. And if you do feel safe enough to do that, awesome, I'm happy for you. you know? But it's a kind of toxic thing. It's a, it's a product of patriarchy. And that is why patriarchy is neither good for women nor men. Because it brutalizes men and oppresses women. You know? And if you can open your heart, if you can have meaningful friendships, if you can start to talk about how you feel, and be at home and be present for yourself, make friends with yourself, love yourself, soften, accept yourself, you'll be a lot happier. You know, actually young men, in men in general, have a much higher suicide rate than women. Often because, especially divorced men, you know, divorced men have, they're, they're dropping like flies, divorced men over 50, you know, because uh, there's this kind of heartache. They literally get heart disease. They literally can't share their pain, you know? And, um, and when you don't feel heard, when you can't express your emotions, the rage builds up and up and up. And then you have to take back your power by violence, by oppressing someone. You have to take what you want because you're not getting it. You can't connect with women emotionally. Okay, bitch, I'm gonna make you connect with me. Sadly, it happens to one in five women. The beating happens, or the emotional abuse happens to one in three women. A lot of men get raped in jail too. So it's it's ugly. This kind of and this kind of emotionally shutting down. That's what it leads to. It leads to violence. It leads to brutalization. It leads to rape. It leads to murder. It leads to war. It's toxic and it's not good. You know, even the way we bring up our children. How we treat our boys different to our girls, you know, how we worry. We have to worry about our daughters. We have to worry, is her skirt too short? We don't have to worry, is the boy's shorts too short? You know, they're like, here's the, key, here's the car keys, go. You know? Um, yeah, so then show appreciation, be kind in word and deed. The three C's, caring, communicate, compromise. They're not a perfect person and no one is. It's so easy to say the grass is greener on the other side. The grass is greener on the other side because sometimes it's plastic grass. <laughs> what people put on Facebook is not their life. You know? um, and if something needs to be discussed, do it skillfully, do it mindfully with, with nonviolent communication. Sandwich it, positive, negative, positive, my dear, or whatever, your name. I really value you, I love you, I'm so glad we're together. But I'm having a problem, I'm having a pain. Not like, when you do this, I f it's terrible and it's all your fault. No, not like that with blame, but it's like, I'm feeling this, this is coming up for me. Maybe it's from my childhood, maybe it's what's happening now. When you said this, I felt this. Can we talk about this? because I value you enough and I want our relationship to succeed. So we need to be open with each other, you know? Or I'm needing to make this change in my life. I'm not happy in my job. Or I'm not happy with this thing that's happening between us. Can we talk about it? Um, and don't always assume your unhappiness is the cause of your relationship. You know, it could be your job. It could be a lack of meaningful hobbies or pursuits, you know? Could be so many things. People grow apart. 
but good communication can change things. And it's the same in people in monasteries, you know. People in monasteries can have a really hard time getting along and have to come into relationship with each other. Often in a monastery there's someone you would never choose to live with, you know. You have all these crazy people locked up together. Oh, it's hard. <laughs> people say, why can't you live together? Why can't you monastics get along? And I'm like, why can't you lay people stay married? <laughs> um, yeah, so you, you have to be wise and patient and keep your love alive and put time in. Um, of course, there is this ideal of a person you fall in love with, the things you project onto someone, and then there's who they really are. Um, and we are hungry for goodness and compassion and spiritual beauty because we think we lack those things. Um, but a, a, pu a, a true spiritual partner and a true spiritual teacher will encourage you to look in your own heart for those things. I certainly don't want the burden of your happiness. Look inside. The Buddha said, you know, I have taught you everything that should be done by a teacher, I have done for you. Every kindness that should be showed, I have shown you. You yourself must walk the path. Be a light unto yourself, a refuge unto yourself. Have deep roots, have roots of faith in something enduring because relationships don't always last. You know? So faith in the Buddha or faith in whatever spiritual practice you find meaningful. You know, faith in human goodness. Um, have a spiritual practice, a regular meditation to take out the mental trash. And have community support, a nourishing spiritual life, building happiness, watering seeds in each other. For yourself as a, as a person in a relationship or seeking a relationship or seeking friends, water the seeds of happiness in yourself. Your heart is a garden. And then water, selective watering, the good seeds in someone else. Because often, especially women do this, we're like, sorry, this is a very cis cisgender talk, <laughs> but I'm sure you can be creative. Um, water the, water the, like women, they're like, some women, not all, they're like, you don't do this well, you don't do that well, you know, and focusing on that. Um, and it makes the men feel bad and oh, this, this is just too hard, you know. But actually try to water the seeds of goodness. Like when you did that thing, it was good. You know, you did that well, thank you. You know, and that way you can learn. You can learn what's good for your partner, what's not working. Um, people want appreciation. Mothers need appreciation most of all. Mothers are the ones, and, and fathers often, are the ones really giving and not receiving a lot of appreciation. Um, just like, I hate this. This meal is horrible. <laughs> it's not good enough. <laughs> um, and you know, don't take your partner for granted. Don't think you know them. Even your child. People are always changing. Everybody is in their own mysterious, miraculous universe. Uh, and, you know, I believe you guys have been talking about the four Brahma Viharas in the last few weeks, you know. So put that in your relationship, your friendships, your Sangha. Because often we, we come to a Sangha and we think, this is what I can get from the Sangha, but what about what I give to the Sangha? Because the Sangha is us. So we're only going to get what we give. But the beautiful thing about community is, even though we're a kind of mixed up group of crazy, semi-crazy people, 
the beautiful thing is we, we um, when we get together we can magnify the energy so meditating alone uh, together is more powerful than meditating alone doing good karma together is more powerful than doing it alone we call it collective karma in Tibetan Buddhism you know that is why the Sangha is one of the three jewels of refuge. Um, so loving kindness gives us the chance to offer joy and relieve the sufferings of others and help us transcend separation. Yeah. Um, understanding suffering is the foundation of happiness. And this uh, compassion is wishing others to be free of suffering. You know, but to wish others to be free of suffering, you also have to be present for your own suffering. Then equanimity is non-discrimination. It's uh, your heart grows large, you know, and you can sit with your own suffering. You become resilient, and you can offer love to many people. So people sometimes say to me, "Why would you want to be a nun? You know, you must be lonely." I've really had a lot more love in my life since I became a nun, because I'm not trying to get something from someone. I don't have to find. Mr. or Miss Wright, everyone is kind of okay, you know? Like, uh, there's a story with Ajahn Chah. A man came to him and he said, I'm fed up, I'm fed up with everything. My job, my wife, my house, my kids, everything, I'm fed up, you know? And Ajahn Chah looked at him and he said, I don't think you're fed up the way the Buddha was fed up. You need to practice contentment. I want you to go home and look at your wife and say, She's good enough. And I want you to go to your work and look at your job and say, yeah, it's good enough. And I want you to look at your kids and smile and show them understanding and think to yourself, yeah, they're good enough. You know? Contentment. We have to simplify our lives. We have to start loving people more unconditionally. You know? You're never going to tr find true love with, you know, someone who you just like because of the way they look, you know, really. The, the best contents can sometimes come in strangers' packaging. They don't have to be like you. It's boring if it's like you, it's vanilla, you know. Be adventurous. You might find something amazing. Many of us don't know what we've liked until we've tried it. Ah, that sounds very 1970s. I didn't quite mean it like that. <laughs> I'm going to a swingers party, I am. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. I just meant open your heart, open your mind, make friends, talk to people, different people who are different to you. Because to make the world a better place, it's not something we can do alone. We suffer together. You know. And then self-care. Compassionate, altruistic action, simplifying our life, caring for the earth, developing compassion and some kind of positive action because the world demands it of us right now. So I think these are the keys to a happy relationship, a happy life. Um, you saw in the 11 minute doco uh, the situation, most of you know I've worked for the last eight years with Indian slum people and that charity is called Bodhicitta Foundation and that work is going on quite well. We support a lot of children and we have a girls' home, etc. Um, but what is not going so well is the situation of Western monastics, especially in the Tibetan tradition. 
People think, oh yes, we must support Theravada Bikunis, and it's great that they're supported, that there's four new centres popping up in California. But there is only one centre in the world for Tibetan Western Buddhist monastics where they're not charged, that is controlled by a Western monastic, uh, and that is Tukton Chodron's place in upstate Washington. Uh, upstate Washington? Washington State. So we have thousands of centres, many of them very affluent, um, but all the money is funneled into Tibetan men and Tibetan cultural projects, and to a certain degree, lay, lay community. We are a fourfold Sangha. Do you want to tell your children who look, <coughs> who look at this, this man in a robe and say, um, no, you can't live that way, you can't meditate full time, you can't give your life in service to others, because we didn't think it was worth supporting. Because within a generation, the monastic tradition, certainly in Tibetan Buddhism, could be wiped out. Because people, from the first day I ordained, I had to take off my robe and go into working a lay job. And my Dharma Center charged me rent. While, and while people bought food to the Tibetan Lama who sat on a throne, we were told, we who, who the Western monastics who were running the Dharma Center were told that we should um, pay rent and make our own food. And I was also told, um, pray to be reborn as a man, and you'll never be the same as your teacher. Please clean the bathroom and answer the phones. You know, serve, it's your karma. Yeah? And for a long time I just thought, this is my karma, I have to try and work with it, I have to be patient. You know, but actually that was just a head screw. And that's what I meant by uh, systems of power that are set up to keep the powerful and the privileged in power. You know, right under your nose, patriarchy is going on. There are centres that don't support Western women, Western monastics. There are centres that don't have female teachers. You know, so please look at what you're supporting, where your where your dana is going. Question your centres why they don't have a place for Western monastics. You know, because people who practice full time and live in ethics, it's not for everyone. It's not the only way. There have been great lay uh, householder saints, but it's valuable to have the fourfold sangha. Because to have people who are not, um, who are an investment in the community, you know, like from the day I ordained, I was teaching in schools, jails, alcohol rehab centers, Alcoholics Anonymous, um, nursing homes, you know, and then I started a charity. I still can't afford to rent a room in my own country, but I help 2,000 people a year through, a, through an NGO in India. So I couldn't do that if I was a layperson, you know because I would need a house and health insurance and so forth. So we are working our butts off for you. And don't think there's some organization somewhere else um, supporting us. There isn't. Uh, 13 of the 15 people I ordained with have disrobed. You know, and there's just no other excuse except racism and gender inequality. I'm afraid to say I've come to that brutal realization. So please support your sangha. You know? And my dream is to um, build a retreat centre um, for monastics and for um, activists or socially engaged Buddhists um, on a few acres out of town. Uh, maybe start small because I have to keep the Indian charity going as well. And I dream of that in either in uh, America or Australia, wherever the support is available. So far, in 16 years of fundraising, we have $80,000. Okay, so you, you understand why people are disrobing. So if you don't make it happen, it won't happen. And that'll just be another person disrobed, you know. 
but I really hope that we can hand this valuable way of practice on to the next generation. Um, so if you're interested, the brochure is there and, um, and the, the mailing list is there. All the best. Thank you for having me. Um, one question? Any questions? Tibetan Buddhists talk a lot. By the end, usually people don't want to ask questions. <laughs> no questions? Okay, so you can email me as well if you're curious or you have other questions. And I'm doing an event in Berkeley in the evening at the Tanka shop in Berkeley, uh, talking on the sacred feminine and doing chanting. And I am also teaching on the 13th with James Barraza's group in Berkeley at the Buddhist monastery there. So be well, be happy, and may you find true love uh, in all its wondrous forms, even if it's just with the mystery of life. Because you really aren't alone, we're all interconnected. So, you know, be there for yourself, be there for others, and hopefully things will be okay. Because, uh, you know, when good people stand up for something right, uh, they can change the course of history. So someone asked me to sing, I don't know. Um, uh, okay, okay, this is a better one. <laughs> we who believe in freedom shall not rest until it comes. We who believe in freedom shall not rest until it comes. The older I get, the more that I see that the spirit of life going on is to empower the hands of the young who dare to run against the storm. Not needing to fight for power, not needing for the light just to shine on me. But by teaching others to stand up and fight is the only way our struggle survives. We who believe in freedom shall not rest until it comes. We who believe in freedom shall not rest until it comes. All the best. Be happy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit Dharma Seed dot org slash donate.